Hi, you're listening to Ten Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. Today's paper is called "Interoperability in the Era of Digital Innovation: An Information Systems Research Agenda" by Daniel Hodap and Andre Hanert, published in the Journal of Information Technology (JIT) in 2022. One of the things that we may take for granted these days in the world around us is the ongoing innovations in digital technologies, business models, and so forth. There's always new stuff coming out, and the organizations, the the companies that come up with this stuff, these digital innovations, they really want to, as as implied by the word innovation, make something new. But one of the other things that we take for granted with these new things that come out is that they work. With the things that we already have, in other words, we expect often that information systems can exchange information with one another. We expect that even with the new things that come out, they can still work and, crucially, share information with what we already have. You may see this in your daily lives with even simple things like the kinds of cables we use or the the data exchange formats that enable certain kinds of things to happen, and in fact enable certain kinds of innovation. If there are existing standards for things, if there are certain established ways of communicating information between systems, then it actually makes other things possible. Or, as this paper here points out, in a 2015 McKinsey study, it was found that 42% of the economic benefits of IoT, Internet of Things, is directly linked to interoperability. This ability for systems to exchange and process information between one another. On the other hand, we do have these days kinds of innovation which are characterized by organizations and companies building ecosystems for themselves, involving, and I quote from page two, central platform leaders such as Apple's iOS. So there are a lot of questions around what interoperability is, where it comes from, what it entails, and crucially, is this something that we want to be encouraging? This paper answers these questions through a literature review. So this paper doesn't document its own empirical study; instead, it's summarizing a great deal of existing studies, and in doing so, we we get a sense of the current state of knowledge on this topic right here, right now, in 2022. So let's dive into what they found. With these kinds of literature reviews, there's always kind of two major sections. Well, they're, they're very common.、Um, one major section is what is already known in the literature, and the other major section is what we probably should research in future. The research agenda. Sometimes the research agenda is based on problematization, finding issues with. What is already known, or complications, or, or、uh, puzzling problems, and another aspect of the research agenda is just what do we not yet know, and so this paper has all of the above. And the the other thing with literature reviews is that they're often quite long.、Um, so in the interests of ten minute IS paper, I'm not going to try to summarize everything in the little time that we have left. But what I do want to do is draw your attention to really interesting parts of this. In terms of what is already known, there's this really nice picture、uh, on page five, figure two, and they call it the interoperability organizing model. 
On the left-hand side, we have what they call contextual conditions of low interoperability, which they classify as emergent or planned. On the right-hand side, we have the outcomes of increased interoperability. So in other words, what happens when we are able to, in some way or another, increase how much systems can exchange information and understand that information between each other. And in the middle, and this is where the, the really interesting stuff happens, they have the so-called mechanisms to increase interoperability. And at first glance, this looks like a Rubik's cube. Um, it, it's a three by three by three cube. But what it's trying to represent is the intersection between three orthogonal concepts. There's the first question, what is the unit of analysis? Is it the individual, the organization, or the ecosystem that entails, or rather that, that uh, facilitates interoperability? Um, they have another concept, where is interoperability increased? Is it between the IT, the data, or the software within the IT that's managing the data? And then finally, there's the other uh, aspect of who increases interoperability. Is it the regulators? Is it the standard-setting organizations? Or is it the platform leaders? Now, the, the really useful thing about a figure like this is that it basically maps the conceptual landscape or, or space that we're working in and differentiates between things that are often easily conflated. I really see that here, for example, the difference between the standard setting organizations who are just there to try to develop and endorse and facilitate different organizations coming together to reach consensus. It's very different to regulators who also try to promote that consensus to, to set up these interoperability standards. But the regulators are government or, or public institutions, and they're often working within certain legal frameworks. I think another thing worth highlighting here is that even though there are certainly very clear benefits to interoperability, there's a whole litany of these on page seven about all the different benefits. Yet at the same time, there are also risks. And this is the part that I found surprising. Before reading the paper, I always thought that interoperability is pretty much universally a good thing. But the paper points out based on previous findings that sometimes interoperability can actually hinder competition and innovation because you get a scenario where the status quo is just so well established. And that's particularly risky when the interoperability standard the data exchange format or whatever it is, is in fact held by a monopoly. So when I read that, and the paper doesn't talk about this, but my interpretation or, or thinking about it, I, I am reminded of the Microsoft Office formats. Before 2007, they were all not open standards, but everyone just uses Microsoft Word, for example, the, the old .doc format, because that's just what everyone uses. Uh, it, it can be a bit tricky when, when there is that kind of effect. The other risk of interoperability that's pointed out here in the paper on page eight is that interoperable standards can actually increase the certain kinds of cybersecurity or privacy risks because everything just works so well together. It's a lot harder to steal data from a system if you don't have your own facilities to read that data. And the paper really calls out especially the healthcare sector, where the, the consequences of this could be particularly dire. That's not everything that the paper found about what is currently known, but I also want to point out three really interesting things for the research agenda that the paper points out. Uh, the first is, now there's actually uh, on page nine, a whole table of these, and there's like eight items for the research agenda, but there's three of them that particularly I think are worth highlighting. 
The first is what they call ambiguity in the interoperability concept, focusing either on technical or organizational aspects. This is interesting because interoperability is kind of a big question in like systems engineering, and that really focuses on the specific technologies and standards and how to make them robust for sharing data. On the other hand, we could of course look at this from an economic perspective, the market implications of interoperability and how that helps with competition. But what this paper calls for, and this is so central to what we do here in the IS discipline, is a socio-technical perspective. The second thing that I, that I think is worth highlighting here is what the paper refers to as a narrative of interoperability instead of a measurable degree. In other words, often the discourse so far is, is there interoperability, yes or no? But as the paper points out, maybe we should be looking more at to what extent there is interoperability. Maybe it's not a binary yes or no. It almost seems obvious once it's pointed out, but uh, it, it seems to be something that's relatively less prominent in the literature so far. And thirdly, and of course this is only three out of eight items, but just what I thought was worth highlighting, the paper points out that there's both kind of vertical and horizontal interoperability. Vertical referring to for a particular application, there's kind of a big stack of infrastructure and software and so forth, and, and there's interoperability between those different levels. And horizontal referring to that for a particular use of IT in general, such as, for example, in the healthcare sector, interoperability between the different systems there as well. Overall, I think this is a really interesting paper. I think it confirms for myself that at the end of the day, interoperability is still something worth striving towards, but perhaps it's just a little bit more complicated than one might initially assume. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this podcast is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod and generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about this podcast at www.tmisp.org and you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.